Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. South football is underway for the Colts on Sunday afternoon. I'm Kevin Bowen back on this edition of Kevin's Corner. Joey Molinaro, per usual, across the way. What are we about? T minus 10 days, Joey, until the nuptials? We're in the single digits. Single? Nine? Nine days. I know it. Man, oh man. I remember those moments. Yeah. Trying to soak it in, but at the same time, looking forward to it all happening Certainly. and being done. So. Certainly. Cannot wait to be there. Hopefully, Mother Nature cooperates. Yep. Most importantly, um, today's version of Kevin's Corner, we will certainly hit on the Adam Vinatieri updates, um, some changes in his preparation for this week. You know, found out a couple of things that I thought were a bit unusual or stuff we certainly didn't know on Monday's podcast. and. Um, we had the injury confirmed. Devin Funches out at least two months. So that is week 10, November 10th, I believe. Uh, maybe a Dolphins game is the earliest he can come back with that broken collarbone. And, you know, everything that you hear about broken collarbone and timetable, something we talked about on Monday's podcast, you know, that seems to be more than enough time, eight weeks for him to be able to come back and be ready to go. Uh, but that's the injured reserve to return on Devin Funches, and I think it means a lot for one Deion Kane. Mm-hmm. So we will touch on that a little bit later. Um, as usual, get into our three keys to the game. Got about a handful of Twitter questions that I want to get into, and um, yeah, unless I'm forgetting anything. Are we going to get Nance and Romo on this weekend's no, game? No, dude. We got, we got the worst crew you can get. Really? Think about it. Who, who do you think is the worst CBS crew? Uh, I really don't like Gumble. But well, yeah, they were terrible. On um, Sparrow Didis and Sparrow Didis and Adam Archuleta. See, I feel like if you flip Spiro with Gumbo and you had Spiro and Trent Green, I could at least get down with that. Yeah, I was disappointed in Trent Green the other day too. I don't know that. Oh, that team is awful. How many Sp- times are going to talk about the weather? Right. Gumble just would not give it up, dude. And then he goes on his little rant about the fans booing yeah. and all that stuff, and. Besides, like, Tom McCarthy and Steve Berline, I don't know how much worse you can get than Spiro and Archuleta. I just thought, yeah, with the Titans doing what they did in week one, the Colts being interesting and playing well in week one. Right. Might have had them. It's just, you know how quarterbacks drive it. I forget where Romo and Nance are this week. They were Cleveland last week, you know, for for that one. Chiefs Um, Raiders, probably. I actually think you're right on that, so... Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll get into three keys to a game that I think is, will be very, very competitive. I think the odds right now, the line is maybe Colts plus three. I think they're a three-point underdog on the road. And um, I think it's a it's pretty much a coin flip game in my mind. All right, Kevin, let's start it off, though, with the things you learned this week. And, obviously, Adam Vinatieri has been a big storyline since Sunday. What have you learned about him and his in his situation? Yeah, I caught up with Bubba Ventrone, um, the special teams coordinator for the Colts on Tuesday, and I kind of felt bad talking to Bubba because I felt like the couple times I've spoken to him in the last few years, it's been when Adam Vinatieri was hurt against Buffalo last year or the disastrous special teams display on Sunday. But he he was a great pro about it, and um, 
I thought kind of pulled the curtain back a little bit on what Adam Vinatieri is doing in practice this week to change things up. And we're taping this Thursday morning, so Vinatieri will actually speak to the media today. And he kicked yesterday at practice, and he's actually kicking two days this week of practice. Usually only kicks one day, and they decided to kick an extra day this week of practice. I mean, we have a horrible angle at practice to, like, judge field goals on the side, you know, practice field. But, I don't know, it looked like he kicked it pretty well. Um, and it seems like that is par for the course with Adam Vinatieri. I mean, Bubba Ventrone made it clear. And for those that don't know, Bubba Ventrone actually played with Adam Vinatieri in New England. Was a great special teams player for the Patriots. So I don't know how much he's like this kicking guru, but certainly you got to know something about kicking if you're mm-hmm. going to be a special teams coordinator in the NFL. Um, but he made it clear to me that like practice, warm-ups, you know, we even saw it in that Bears preseason game when Adam Vinatieri did kick. There is nothing that could have drawn up a yellowish red flag to the Colts for what happened on Sunday in Los Angeles. Ventrone actually said that if you look deeper at the numbers, just outside of like make or miss, if you look at height on his kicks or timing, um, you know, maybe some deeper kind of like analytics launch angle type stuff, Adam Vinatieri is actually, they felt like the Colts during the offseason, he kicked the ball at a stronger rate than he kicked it last offseason. So they are, again, very, very surprised by all this. Isn't that something that, that Frank Reich, um, mentioned last year and so Ventrone said after they looked at some film from Sunday's game in LA there were a couple of technique flaws that they felt like needed to be corrected I know some people on Twitter were like what the hell he's 46 years old how can there be a technique flaw I mean that's not the most shocking thing in the world to me you miss the first kick right the first extra point right then you miss the next two left are you overcorrecting there and then that last kick was just a pure just shank, just a duck hook on the 29-yard field goal. So, um, you know, I think it's good that they've recognized something from a mechanical technique standpoint that needs to be corrected. And we'll see if if he can correct it in a game because ultimately that's what it comes down to. No one gives two shits what he kicks like in practice, really, or even warm-ups. Um, I know that's why the Colts feel like there's confidence in that he'll get it corrected. And Ventrone is adamant that there's no better kind of, bless you, there's no better um, self-corrector, self-diagnoser than Vinny. Um, But, Joey, I I feel like we've also had this misconception from people this week. It's like, oh, it's just a one-game thing. It's not. Like, this is not a one-game thing. You can even go past the Kansas City playoff loss. If you look at Venetary's last four games, Three outright outdoor stadiums. And then Houston, if I'm not mistaken, that roof was open for the playoff game. So, you know, four open-air environments. Vinatieri's missed six kicks. I want to say he's, like, three of six, I think, on extra points and eight of 11 on field goals, or maybe it's the the other way around with, with, with that. But he's missed six kicks. Five of those six misses. From 33 yards or less. Wow. That's awful. Yeah. Like, that's high school kicker bat. sure. Maybe even worse than high school kicker bat. If a high school kicker had missed five field goals or five kicks 
35 yards or less in a four-game span, you're 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 trying to find Johnny Jones on the soccer field and see if he can double dip. Or you're just not going. You're you're not using your special teams. Right. <laughs> you're uh, going yeah. for it on fourth and fourth, and, hey, fourth down every play. Yeah. And it, it, it's funny you bring that up. You know, we're talking to the media this week. We're talking to the media room this week. Kicker hell sucks. Like debating if you should keep a kicker, it sucks. And imagine what it's like for Frank Reich. Not only you have this illustrious kind of aura of a kicker, the greatest NFL history that you're debating on, but like what happens on a fourth down late in the game where, you know, you got a fourth and three at the 28 or the 31? How does that impact some of your decision making? You know, it's just, it's a. And then if they do decide to go for it, then that sounds the alarms of, okay, Really don't trust in this guy. Exactly. You know, it's kind of like Jacoby Brissett coming on for the Hail Mary last year in the Philly game in week three. Everyone's like, oh, God, what does this mean for Andrew Luck's shoulder? Shoulder's dead. You know? And so, exactly. what? And you know publicly Frank Reich's going to be like, oh, I didn't. that's nothing on the kicker. I just felt more confident in the fourth and three play. And then you just get into, I don't know. It's just uh, not knowing who your kicker is, that's like a – that's a – blanket nightmare for a general manager. Did you see the names that the Jets brought in to try out and kick this week? I, I didn't, no. Trust me, I, 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 if you did, I would have thought you were crazy. Okay. Um. All right, so the Jets kicker, he missed, like, this is the guy that the Vikings acquired for a fifth-round pick, like, late in the preseason, and then, the, and then they cut him. So they just wasted a fifth-round pick. Mm. Jets sign him. He kicks week one. I think he missed maybe an extra point in like a 45-yarder. So nothing, I mean, not great, obviously, but nothing horrific. Then he missed worse. And they cut him. The Jets brought in Elliot Fry, Sam Ficken, Young Ho Koo, Tristan Vizcaino, and Greg Joseph. Sounds like the board of a frat at Butler University or something. Like, <laughs> definitely not NFL players there. No, and they uh, they hired um, Sam Ficken, who... Hired. Hired. Gosh, that even sounds worse. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that sounds like I'm diminishing the kicker uh, position. Yeah, they hired Sam Ficken, uh, signed Sam Ficken, I should say, who I think my brother-in-law one time got kicked out of an IU football game for yelling at Sam Ficken on the sidelines. Perfect. Um, he was a he was a kicker at Penn State, but like that's the reality of life that the Colts could possibly be having to endure at some point. Those names, and that's probably one of the biggest reasons for why I think JMV is pretty adamant that like he acknowledges this is a, this is a not a good situation at all, and you have to think about. Adam Vinatieri post Vinny life, possibly very soon. But, like, can you commit to one of those names? Can you commit to bringing Cole Hedlund back? Over Adam Vinatieri, even with his numbers recently? Right. right. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not – there's not some cure-all. Maybe there is a Dontrell Inman sitting out there. But there's not this just obvious choice. And so – um Man, week two, already talking about this kind of stuff. <laughs> it just – it's crazy. All right, what happens? Twenty-one twenty, mm-hmm. Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, no, let's not go there. Let's say for some reason it's uh, I don't know, but let's say the Colts are down one. Vinny hasn't kicked in the game yet. Okay, kicked a field goal or kicked a- ha- hasn't kicked. Period. 
the Colts of which that that would make no sense. Yeah. Okay. L- let's say it's um, whatever. Twenty two twenty one. Vinny's mm-hmm. made his three extra points, and you trot him out there for a thirty three yarder at the buzzer for the win, and he misses. I thought you were going to set me up. Are you? Are you going for it, or are you going to kick it? No, no, no. I, you know, thirty-three yarder, a second to go in the game. You're down one point. Vinny misses it right. What are you doing on Monday? I think ah, I think it's time. I think it's time. Because now you say that it's time. Put yourself in Chris Ballard's shoes. You, what you know of Chris Ballard? Well, that's where I was going to say. I thought you were setting me up for me to say. They're going to send him out there to kick it. He makes it, and then the question by you is going to be asked: Was there any doubt? We never doubted Vinny for a second. We right, never, right, you know, blah 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 yeah. blah blah. I mean, they're going to give but, that typical but, speak. But, but if he misses it, I mean, honestly, man, at that point, you know, I know it's a team sport, but at that point, you put yourself in an zero and two hole, largely due to Adam Vinatieri. How do you look at the fifty-two guys in that locker room? and say that the standards for that man over there who's cost us the two games to start this season are any different than the other guys in that locker room. Mm-hmm. You know, if, um, I don't know, if, if I, I, I'm trying to think, there's really not a comparable position in football to kicker, per se. Um, you know, if Luke Rhodes snapped it over Rigoberto Sanchez's head, twice in the first two weeks of the season, I don't think Luke would be back here. And I get it. Adam Vinatieri is different than Luke Rhodes in the longevity of his career. But the reality is this. It's a four-game issue now. I've just laid out there five missed kicks Mm -hmm. in less than 35 yards, and he's 46 years old. If you look at the trends of Adam Vinatieri's recent seasons, last season was the worst he's had in probably six years. He finished last year... 17th in the NFL in field goal percentage, or like 18th. I think it was 23rd in extra point percentage. It's fair to ask the question. But as I sit here and think to myself, if it happens again, there's just a couple quotes that, like, stick out to me. Ballard mentioned back in January when Vinny was a free agent he wouldn't get into, will I definitely re-sign him or not? Now, he ended up re-signing him like two weeks later, which obviously indicates that Chris Ballard thinks very highly right. of Adam Vinatieri. And Ballard's quote was, I will just say this, though. He is as important a guy in that locker room. I don't know if I've been around a special teams player that has as much impact as Adam does in the locker room. From a positive standpoint, all of our young guys that come in get to see Adam Vinatieri work, rehab, prepare his body every year, be a pro, handle the hard times, handle the good times. I mean all of that. What Adam brings, brings a lot of value to this football team. Now I know a lot has transpired over the last nine months, but that quote kind of like says a lot. But then I also remember Jim Irsay during the draft in April say, we have to demand more from everyone in this organization and we can't have any weak links. End of story, period. If there are, then we have to make changes and iron them out and go forward. 
Everyone here understands how hard it is just to win or just to be a playoff team or be an elite playoff team. You hear that, and if Adam Vinatieri potentially costs you two football games this year, you only play 16. Yep. And I don't think anyone thinks that the Colts are just the best team in the league and and would go you know 13 and three or 12 and four or something like that. Like you don't have as much margin for error with this current situation that maybe New England has or whatever. So you know it's he, he again a change in his kicking regiment for this week. We'll see how that impacts him on the, on Sunday. But um, it'll be another outdoor stadium. What do you think? That same situation happens. I say it's probably time to start moving on. Let's say you. I'd be curious if Vinny would call it quits. Um, Man. You know, he's also said, like, when I become a detriment to this football team, that's when I no longer do it. Yeah. I mean, he was pretty honest, I felt like, in that locker room Sunday in L.A. of saying, if you were the GM, what would you do? I think he knows right now the name Adam Vinatieri is the reason he's there weren't Elliot Fry and Greg Jones and you know uh, Justin Yoon Koo or whatever his name was you know there's a reason that those guys weren't in here kicking on Tuesday but is that brigade going to be kicking the K balls next Tuesday you know it's I would probably cut him but I don't sit here and act like those five names are going to cure it. Would you, if this happens, would you, if you're Chris Ballard and Frank Reich, out of the respect for his career and what he's done here, would you gather with him and say, hey, you want to go out on your own terms kind of thing? Yes, I would definitely leave it up to him, you know, like if you want so to. So it doesn't just end with a cut? Like if you want yeah, to. Yeah, you, you would like it to be that, but we know the reality of sports as well. Um, I just don't think you can go with the card. I, I, I get what you're saying here. I don't think you can go with the card of out of respect to Adam Vinatieri. He's going to continue to be our kicker. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I, I, trust me. I get where you're coming from. Cause you're, cause you're saying you would like for him to make his own call of say, I'm done. Not you force me to be done. Right. Because you're, you're, you're cutting me. Like Ballard would say, Hey, we're going to let you go. But before we do that, do you want to retire? You want to re- that kind of thing. Do you want to say that you're hurt? <laughs> you know something. Yeah. You know <laughs> so, something to make it make it be better. But I don't think this can be like a, hey, we're gonna keep Frank Gore because we really like like no like kicker in, in the NFL. You just, I'm sorry. And, and like I said on Monday's podcast, nothing Adam Vinatieri could go shank four twenty five yarders on Sunday in Tennessee and retire after the game. And I still think he should be a first bout Hall of Famer. Like nothing to me is going to diminish the sort of career that he's had as the NFL's all-time leading scorer, arguably the most clutch. Kid. The, the 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 dude's a freaking forty-six years old. Yeah, been in the league for twenty-four years. If it comes to an end, it comes to an end. And um, man, I don't know. I, I know I'm not supposed to root for people, but I kind of hope he makes a few on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. No it's one just, wants to see it go down like a, that. Yeah, just a. Awful story. Anything else on Vinny? No, 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 no. Okay. Well, yeah, like you mentioned in the intro, Devin Funches out until at least week 10 with that broken collarbone. Who are we expecting to step up to take his place? You got that hype train coming in? Mm-hmm. The Deion Kane hype train is real. It's alive. 
and it will be making a stop at Nissan Stadium or LP Field, whatever the hell it's called in Nashville, on Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock. You know, I, I, I think that he will see his playing time increase, certainly. He had 11 snaps on Sunday in L.A., two targets, which if you just take that ratio, you know, one target every five snaps, that's actually a lot. Yeah. Um. I think Deion Kane will be the guy that now is looked at in that Devin Funches role. And they are different wideouts. You know, I've always said I think Kane plays bigger than 6'2, but he doesn't, obviously, he doesn't have the bulk of Funches. Um, man, this chair goes down beautifully in the nice. studio. Yeah. That's, that's nice. Um, I mean, what? Funches is 225. Kane's listed at, look, look up Deion Kane's weight for me. I'm guessing 205. Um, but man, he, he gives you a vertical speed element. Two oh three. Two oh three for Kane. So yeah, twenty two pounds difference. Um but I think what Kane has, Joey, that's different than Funches is this. Boom, he makes a back shoulder throw catch. And you like that. But then all of a sudden, if that corner starts sitting on the back shoulder, the vertical speed is real with Deion Kane. I mean, pop in that Clemson film. It's real. And I saw a little yak in that Bears game when he had the touchdown the night that Andrew Luck retired. That would have been the highlight of the game if oh my gosh, Luck I wouldn't happen. I had I mean. a beautiful piece, <laughs> a Pulitzer piece written <laughs> on Chad Kelly and Deion Kane and how LaRaven Clark should be cut. And, uh, yeah, that never saw 107.5.com. Uh, Andrew Luck's birthday today. Oh, very nice. 30. I wonder how he's celebrating. You think he watched on Sunday? I honestly don't. I really don't. I think you did. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of. I could totally see him being like, ah, you know, give me a Scott Matt Christopher book. Matt Christopher. He's not reading that. That was like the books I read when I was growing up. E. Scott Fitzgerald book or John Grisham book, and go into his den. But I think he watched a little bit. I think he's just completely shut out from it right now at the moment i think he's just stepping away and he's fine with not having it involved at all are the colts gonna throw out a little twitter post you think today for him? <laughs> i bet they're having those discussions over there huh? i mean you know they had him ready on the content calendar so 100 yeah, percent. he's on the side of the building Jeez. anyways people are yeah Deion Kane. let's get people excited yeah again. i was gonna Deion say Kane. people are probably like oh my god they're talking about luck for a minute um you know, I remember when Kane tore his ACL last year, Joey, and, and Frank Reich was like, he is one of our best receivers at beating press, which probably was more of an indictment of what your other receiver core looked like, that the <laughs> six-round rookie. Yeah. But, like, I feel like you can withstand a loss of Devin Funches, and I don't want to undermine Devin Funches because I think I've been more skeptical than most about Funches, but Frank Reich showed on Sunday. Frank Reich likes him a lot and they will go to him in big situations i mean that fourth down play was designed for him exactly that is a again like we said three by one formation devin funches on the weak side boom man coverage he makes a play um but i keep on going back to chris ballard move-in day at training camp talking about Deion kane and the pregnant pause that chris ballard had for like seven or eight seconds just talking about how Deion Kane had looked 
that Monday and Tuesday as the Colts were getting ready to start training camp. And just, again, that was still before he had practiced. And they saw, you know, behind the scenes, a guy that could help them big time in 2019. And he's going to get his chance. I mean, what a great opportunity. I do think the Colts like their depth. I mean, hell, we saw Zach Pascal and Chester Rogers play 25 snaps uh-huh. on Sunday with Devin Funches healthy. Now, they didn't get targeted. But that's a significant number. And I think Eric Ebron is a name that we shouldn't forget either. You know, Frank Wright touched on that earlier this week. Um, and you're going to increase the rap, reps naturally for Paris Campbell. But Deion Kane, Joey, you're in a deep fantasy league. I'm on Adam. For sure. Looking forward to it. All right, let's finish up with things you learned with uh, Jacoby Brissett's week one effort. Yeah, I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into this. Um Jacoby Brissett was incredibly accurate in week one. Like 21 of 27 speaks for itself. That's nice. 77%. Um, that's, that's that's really good. Uh, that's the highest it, by far in his career. I think 70% was the previous high in completion percentage he had in a game that he started. But you look at the incompletions he had on Sunday, Joey. Six. I think five of them hit his pass catchers in the hands. Five. I mean, yes, he could have been picked, I guess, on the second pass of the game. But, like, after that, I don't recall one ball that I felt like was erratic or not giving his wideout a chance to make a play. You know, when I think of the incompletions, I think of the the ball off Doyle's helmet, the Ebron touchdown that was dropped— Funches, when he got hurt, uh, Funches had another. Funches did probably have one drop on on third down, and then uh, Hilton. Hilton had kind of the fifty fifty ball down the sideline that Keenan Allen, you know, came down like a similar play like that mm-hmm. would have been probably tougher than the Keenan Allen play. But um, I mean, that's some great accuracy. Yeah, that's really really good. Um, so Jacoby Brissett should be commended big time for how accurate he was. On Sunday, and I also want to give a hat tip to Frank Reich. You know, I thought Reich put him into favorable situations, and watching that game unfold and hearing Frank Reich talk about it afterwards, even Nick Sirianni mentioned that when the Colts got into two minute at the end of half, and I guess a little bit at the end of the game, but probably more so at the end of the first half, they stuck with kind of their basic plays in the two minute, not to overload Jacoby Brissett in more of a chaotic situation. And I'm just like, bow down to Frank Reich. Yeah. Like, that's just good, solid offensive coaching. And some people m- might be like, duh, yeah, that's what a coach is supposed to do. Pop in the 2017 film, folks. For sure. You know, it's just it, it, the, the incompetence and how that's changed over two years is why Frank Reich is a great offensive coach. So commend him and obviously commend Jacoby Brissett. And uh, maybe a little knock on wood here. Jacoby Brissett, Joey. He hasn't thrown a pick in a hundred and fifty-seven straight passes. A lot of knocking. One five seven. If I'm not mistaken, that's longer than any streak Andrew Luck ever had. When was the last one? So it was. Jacksonville in Jacksonville early December 2017. Okay. So he finished that season with four straight games without a pick. 
He threw his, you know, bullshit throw, throws that he threw last year, the three or four that he threw in a game. Obviously didn't throw a pick in those. And then the 27 he threw on Sunday. So 157 straight passes. That currently ranks second longest active streak in the NFL without an INT. Tom Brady's number one. Your guess is the number one is Tom Brady. Matthew Stafford. Wow. 161. Not who I would have guessed. Not at all. And the names after him. Stafford won. Brissett, four passes behind him. Sam Darnold at 155. Lamar Jackson at 141. Dak Prescott and his perfect passer rating at 101. And next on the list, Brian Hoyer. Hey. 99 and then Aaron Rodgers, 97. Nice. So, yeah, Jacoby Brissett, knock on wood. You can blame me if he throws a pick on Sunday. But what I'm getting at is this guy's protecting the football pretty well, and that's a big, big step for any young quarterback. All right, you want to do some Twitter questions? Yes. Okay. Um, I have them up ready to roll here. And and let's remind people that maybe didn't listen to Monday's podcast how Thursday works is if you have Twitter questions, just DM me throughout the week. Not going to spend a half hour on them, but if we get a handful of them, we'll definitely touch on them on Thursday. We'll start with Mitch. Can you touch on what Paris Campbell's role will look like now with Funchess out till the latter half of the season? Obviously, Kane moves up to wide receiver two for the big body, but what can we expect from the rookie? I think increased playing time and more so increased touches. You know, 18 snaps, I think he had in the opener, only two touches. Um, I would expect that ratio to, um, you know, be a little bit more of like four touches in 20 snaps, something like that. Because if something was missing from the game plan on Sunday, Joey, it was a lack of chunk plays. And Paris Campbell can help you out there. Uh, you know, him at kick returner, I talked to Bob Ventrone about that. He's like, he's just an explosive guy. And he did, you know, hedge a little bit and say, you know, depending on the game plan, maybe Zach Pascal or Naeem Hines will be back there. But, um, yeah, I think Paris Campbell, a little bit more playing time and definitely a few more touches. Michael wants to know, I know the expectation is Brissett won't have the production Luck had last year, but is there anyone else that could be due for a career year? You think he means on offense? Didn't specify, so possibly anybody. Um, you know, obviously it's a cop out to say Deion Kane is due for a career year. I mean, I don't. Re- no one immediately comes to mind. I mean, I guess if you're going both sides of the ball, Joey, how about uh, Kamoko Terry? Yeah. Komoko, Komoko. Really flashed on those passing downs in week one. Taking advantage of a banged-up situation at left tackle, which the Colts will see again this weekend. No Taylor Lewan at left tackle. Dennis Kelly, the Purdue product, is a starter at left tackle for the Titans. 6'8", Dennis Kelly. So um, I think that's why you saw Justin Houston on the opposite side. Komoko Tsuri's a speed rusher, and he, he definitely showed that. And, you know, I know during the summer – I made it clear, like, Kamoko Turi, how he ended the rookie season was not good. He was benched. Matt Eberflus benched him late in the season. And he needed to make sure that he didn't go down the trail Basham rabbit hole. Mm. And he didn't. So credit to him because, as I've said before, he can push the, the ceiling on this season way up. 
From Jacob, do you think that the lack of big bodies on the D-line is a reason that the Chargers were able to run so easily against the Colts? Also, if Jacoby plays every game like he did on Sunday, but we went sub-500, would you be on board for drafting a QB this spring? Oh, wow. Okay, those are two good questions. Let's start with the big bodies, Joey. Um, I don't want to go there just 100% yet. You know, I think who you missed on Sunday was um, was Jabal Sheard. Yeah. You know, a guy that can help you out on rundowns. It looks like Sheard's return is somewhat on the horizon. I, I don't think he'll play Sunday, uh, but he did some light jogging with a helmet on yesterday at practice. He's missed seven weeks. It's a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to believe that seven weeks ago was the start of training camp. Seven <laughs> weeks ago today was the first practice of training That's nuts. camp. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I feel like nothing's happened really in the last seven weeks. I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, maybe you play Grover Stewart a little bit more. Uh, did I think we had it? Did we have a Taekwon Lewis question? I'm pretty sure we did. Yep. So That's okay, up I'll, next. I'll wait on that one. Um, okay, as far as Bursette. If he plays like he did on Sunday and the Colts go six and ten or seven and nine, do you still draft a quarterback? If Jacoby Brissett plays like he did on Sunday for sixteen games and the Colts go seven and nine or six and ten, Matt Eberflus and Bubba Ventrone should be fired because it's not on the quarterback. I mean, I, I that, that, that might sound blunt, but like what? I mean, or the run game's just falling apart. Um, so yeah, let me preface by that and. Yeah, if if Jacoby Brissett plays like he did on Sunday, you're not drafting a quarterback. I mean, you aren't spending a high draft pick, I should say, Mm-mm. on a quarterback. From Kevin to Kevin, this Kevin wants to know, with Tennessee's O-line hurting, do you think that Indy will keep up and be successful with the pass rush? Well, excuse me there, a little early morning. It's all right, yeah. Um, I will say that the drop-off from Russell Okung to, what was his name, Trent Scott? Because was was a left tackle for the Chargers. Yeah, that sounds good. I don't think that's as immense as the drop off from Taylor Lewan to Dennis Kelly. I think Kelly gave up. I want to say it was like maybe two hurries and a sack in in week one, which you know you're facing a, a decent Browns front. I don't know how much Miles Garrett is lined up on the left tackle, but um, but honestly, Joey, yes, you were able to get some pressure on Philip Rivers. But I'm not giving the D line a great grade in Week One. You know, it's just I'm sorry, but when you play that bad against the run, and the interior pressure was missing, and when you blitz, you didn't get home, which I know is not all on the D line. Yes, you had some moments certainly off the edge, but you're going to be facing a little bit more of an elusive quarterback this week. So uh, that's a group that definitely needs to needs to show up. This is the Tyquan Lewis question from Scotty. Has there been any reason given by Coach Reich why Tyquan Lewis didn't play? Do you have any theories about it? It's also it's also Yao Ming's birthday today. Your birthday is what? Two days from now? Tomorrow? Uh, six. S- six days. Oops. September 18th. Yao Ming is awesome. I love Yao Ming. Big Yao guy. Why? I just thought, like, here comes this dude over from China and everyone's thinking bust. And when he was here, he was such a great player. Yeah. He's a Hall of Famer, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, the basketball yeah. Hall of Famer? Yeah. Um, yeah, I love Yao Ming. Those jerseys that just said Yao on the back, those are those are hot back in like 04. Oh, 100%. You still, I mean, you go down to an IU tailgate this weekend against Ohio State, I guarantee you someone's jersey. wearing a Yao 11 Rockets okay. jersey. All right, question was Tyquan Lewis. Why was yeah. he inactive? Yeah. I'm still scratching my head at this one, okay? So hear me out. We asked Matt Eberflus on Tuesday. Um... 
why was Tycon Lewis inactive? He says, ask Coach Frank. Ooh. Now, last year when Kamoko Turi was inactive, Matt Eberflus gave a very expansive answer on not meeting a practice standard. Um, you know, basically just saying, like, he loafed too much in practice. I mean, a very candid, honest answer. Yeah. And you usually ask Matt Eberflus the defensive questions because he runs that whole operation. For sure. So we come back yesterday and ask Frank Reich why was Taekwon Lewis inactive. And Frank, I guess I should pull out just the the, the full quote. But basically just a l- little bit of background. Uh, Taekwon Lewis missed about a week in mid-August. He got banged up in the um, Browns joint practices, missed a week, but had been back practicing for an in- for two weeks since the injury and was not on the injury report at all last week. So Frank Reich offers this. Just more so not enough practice time before week one. It's usually a week-to-week decision. With Taekwon, he probably hadn't quite practiced enough in our eyes to be physically ready to go. We'll reevaluate that this week. Now, like I said, he had practiced two full weeks before that. Jihad Ward, his replacement on Sunday, played 13 snaps. You're not asking Tycon Lewis to go out there and play 100% of the snaps. Yeah. If he's limited in practice in any way, he has to be on the injury report. So he wasn't on the injury report. So he was a full participant in practice for three straight days. He can't be a rotational defensive tackle. When coming into the season, you were extremely high on him. I mean, hell, and that first depth chart, he was listed as a starter. Like, I don't know. Colts I, have a history of kind of, eh, I just feel report, like there's, right? like, why wouldn't Eberflus just have said that on Tuesday? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to, like, Stir read too much up. into it, yeah. but I haven't talked to Tyquan Lewis. I think maybe it was Stephen Holder talked to him in the locker room just briefly before he scurried out of there, and he got a very awkward vibe from Tyquan. So, you know, I don't know. If it was, a, you know disciplinary matter would would you would you say it i i don't know i don't want to accuse tycon lewis of, of of anything like that but um he was practicing yesterday he was on kick coverage or something so maybe he'll be active on sunday but the lack of interior pass rush could have used some help on uh on sunday in la so tycon lewis yeah i i i don't know I, I wish i had more of an answer from Alaska Colts fan, always good to hear from you. Do you think that Mac can maintain 25-plus carry workload all year? I haven't seen the carry breakdown yet, but I'm wondering if the strategy is to pass heavy in the first half to wear down the defense and then let Mac run wild in the second. No, he cannot keep up 25. I mean, no one in, in today's NFL. He's been over 24 carries, I think, like four of his last five games, which is just incredible, or maybe four of his last six. Um and, I mean, you, you gave him the football 17 times in the second half. That's an incredible amount for one half of football. So, yes, you are not going to have the same, what, you you threw it 27 times. I guess Brissett was sacked twice. So you threw it 29 times, or we're trying to, and you ran it over 30. You, I mean, you aren't going to have that sort of percentage week in and week out. Having said that, I do think a blueprint for Sunday should be to try and pound it. See, I think I think you pound it early, hope you wear down a defense, and then potentially you can also supplement a bit of a play-action passing game or hit on a chunk vertically. I was going to say, I thought it was flipped there. I thought that was the other way you'd go about right. it. Right, yeah. and that's what I, I think Frank Reich wants to do. But, you know, as much as Marlon Mack showed that he gets better as the game goes along, 
you want the dude healthy late in the season. You want to be able to trust Naeem Hines and some of your other runners. Um, so, I no, you, you cannot have Marlon Mack toting it 25 times week in, week out. From Gary, will the Colts be using the no huddle and going up-tempo other than in two-minute drills? That's a good question, Gary. Um, I wouldn't expect an abundance of it, no. You know, I kind of hint on what I mentioned earlier about the basic plays for Jacoby Brissett um, in the two-minute against the Chargers. So, no, I, I, I don't think we're going to see. I, I liked Sunday's game plan. I, I thought it was wise. Yeah, you know, at times you're going to throw a little bit of tempo in there, but I, I think for now, I think you'll see a very similar blueprint to what you saw on uh, on Sunday. Last one here from Will Redding. I don't know if this is meant to be in here. It just says your article, question mark. Yeah, did you see this? He he, he tweeted at you and I about the um, Colts. Oh. <laughs> That's what it is. Okay. Yeah, the Colts, uh, what is it, alcohol sales or something? Yeah, so alcohol.org did a study on NFL fan bases and how much they drink. And okay. the Colts were ranked last. How do you rank that? I try. They didn't really give a specific answer. They they, like they did kind of like sales a, inside. Yeah, your they did stadium? kind of a poll. They polled fans, and then from that, they that's what they grasped. Um, so it was how much they drink on game days, and how much they drink when it's not a game day, and how much it increases, and everything like that. Hmm. I wrote a blog about it on one hundred and seven five thefan dot com. A few potential theories, but I thought it was interesting that Buffalo was ranked twenty second. Hmm. So I'm like. Yeah. How's Buffalo only ranked 22nd? Right. If you watch them from 9 a.m. to noon every Sunday, they, yeah, they would blow point fours walking into the stadium. Exactly. Like they, I mean, they spray themselves with ketchup and mustard for God's yeah. sakes. Like, do the Colts have a wild fan base? Um, I don't probably think so. not. And, like, not in like Buffalo wild terms, or I guess, yeah. what we, I don't know. I don't know if I've seen many videos of like, Boy, the South Blue Zone lot is filled with people breaking tables. And, right. You know. No, you're not Not too many Colts fans showing up on Barstool's Instagram yeah, yeah, or yeah. World Star or anything like you'd see from Raiders fans or Bills or Browns. I will say that that, that contingent was loud and proud inside of Dignity Health Sports yeah. Park. on, um, And I feel like there's always a good crowd in Nashville. I mean, if you're a Colts fan and that schedule comes out in April... Nashville game in September, that's a nice weekend. Hell yeah. It's going to so, be a hot weekend. Hot, you see? steamy. Like 98 heat yeah. index. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna get into that when we when we talk keys of the game. Okay. Let's do that, as a matter of fact. So that's it for Twitter questions. Um, we want to do keys of the Yeah. Let's yeah. do keys of the game coming up next. What do you got, KB? All right. Number one, Joey tackling. Um, awful. Darius Leonard gave himself and the coaches gave him an F. I thought it was one of the worst games Darius Leonard's ever played. Um, the middle of the field was not good. Clayton Gathers in that mix as well. Anthony Walker, run fits, missed assignments, trying to strip the ball too much. As Matt Eberflus said on Tuesday, there is an order. Hit, wrap, strip. That order got a little bit of uh, out of order. For sure. Um, against Austin Eckler and the Chargers. So, you know, when you think about Tennessee's defense, they've got some unique, or Tennessee's offense, they've got some unique body types. Mariota's elusive. Henry's the power guy that he can get downhill in a hurry. And, of course, Deion Lewis, who was a Colt for like two weeks in 2014, he, he can do some things as a scat back. And we have to remember, Mariota only played one half against the Colts last year. It was Blaine Gabbert. 
for a lot of football against Indianapolis last year. So, you know, you haven't allowed a uh, 100-yard rusher in, what, nearly 20 straight games. It's a great stat, but still, the, the, the tackling was an issue in week one. So that's something I'll be keeping an eye on. Key number two for me, pound the run to set up the chunks. You mentioned Steamy. I think that plays in the hands of the Colts because the Tennessee defensive line is a little bit older. You can only dress so many guys on game day. We saw what happened in a much cooler L.A. I think L.A. was like nearly 80. It wasn't anywhere near as hot nice as it was supposed pretty, to be yeah. um, Sunday in Nashville. So pound it early, wear them down, but you have to hit on those chunks. You have to hit on the vertical passing game a little bit more than you did. Um, you know, it's a very, very exotic Titans defense, probably the most complicated defense that you'll get ready for all year long. But I think if you can run it at them and have have success, I think that'll go a long, long way. What was the quote from yesterday? They're high on the exotic scale? High on the exotic scale. Love it. Yeah. Sounds like a science fair project or something. Sounds like it belongs in Nashville. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely does. All right, last one uh, for me. You need, you need a reliable fourth down. I mean, that was abysmal um, for what you had, and it's a three-point spread, Joey. Three-point spread on the road. Yep. You're a road dog three. That means Vegas thinks if this game was played in, you know, Alaska, it'd be straight up. Uh-huh. So special teams and the right leg of number four is going to be absolutely huge. And, you know, I think if we would have said at the start of the year, the Colts get a split in the first two games. We would have called that a win. But if you go 0-2, you're just you're just behind the eight ball. And it's just, it's tough. The margin for error just shrinks, period. And it's crazy to think if you go 0-2, that's 0-2 for a fifth time in the last six years. But, man, getting a split and jumbling up that AFC South versus getting two games behind the Titans in the AFC South giving Tennessee some hope of like, hey, we finally beat the Colts. It would be very important for the Colts to get a win on Sunday. Well, let's call it what it is. What's your prediction? <sighs> you know, I think when the schedule came out, honestly, I think when I did the season predictions, now that I think about it last Thursday, I, I said Titans win. I'm going to go Colts win. I think a little bit of a letdown from what Tennessee showed in week one. And I just, I really like the blueprint I saw out of the Colts in LA. And if their offensive line and Marlon Mack can obviously not achieve the the same amount of success, because that was in a crazy amount of success they had against the Chargers. But if you can have a similar day on the ground, I think you sneak out of there with a win. But I, I think this is a coin flip of a coin flip. I do think it'll come down to a missed kick here or there, or, you know, a third down late in the game, something like that is going to decide this one, but um, go with the Colts 23-20. Nice. Okay. Good. What we got the rest of the week then? So I posted something earlier today, just looking a little bit deeper at Devin Funches and his loss for the next two months and how the Colts will try and replace that. That's up on 1075thefan.com. Like I said earlier, Adam Vinatieri will talk to the media on Thursday. So I'm going to have an update there and uh, then post seven things per usual, to the website on 1075thefan.com. Sweet, man. He's Joel Monero. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everyone have a great weekend, and we'll be back on Monday recapping Colts-Titans Week 2.
This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.